Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, featuring fresh and lively commentary on all things Primal, including Q&A sessions with Primal Blueprint founder, Mark Sisson, special guest interviews hosted by Mark Sisson, and conversations with Primal Blueprint authors and other health and fitness experts. The show is presented by Damage Control, Master Formula, the world's most potent multivitamin, mineral, antioxidant, anti-aging supplement, available at primalblueprint.com. Past episodes are available for download or to review written summaries at blog.primalblueprint.com. Welcome to our video Primal Blueprint podcast and audio, of course, but welcome if you're watching on YouTube. We decided to kind of spice it up a little bit with our favorite guest, Mark Sisson. So welcome to the, I think it's your first appearance on the video version of the podcast. It is. Welcome to my house. Great fun. Thank you for hosting this special show. Um, And we were discussing what to talk about, what's our theme for the show going to be, and looking back to the 27 shows you've already published on this channel and all the topics you've talked about, the the hot button items for right. primal paleo living, the diet, the, the training stuff. Um, and you know, you made that comment that you've pretty much said everything that there is to say about those nuts and bolts, the diets and exercise, yeah. don't eat grains, right? Yeah, that's well, one of them. that's one of them. I mean, as we used to joke, I mean, most of what I have to offer in terms of advice can fit on two sheets of paper. Right. Um, and those don't sell very well, so the book <laughs> needs to flesh yeah. out to 320. Although we did get some critical feedback on Amazon from Primal Endurance that it was overwritten. Yeah. I'm like, overwritten? What are you talking about? Yeah. Got to explain. You got to tell the story. Yeah. You got to hit it, hit it hard. Yeah. Um, speaking of that, you just returned from another Paleo FX experience, mm-hmm. and it's always great to have that congregation of like-minded people and that yeah. energy and that fun, but I know you come out with some interesting insights about the future of the movement, the state of the movement, so how would it go down there? You know, there were, I think there were 3,500 people who showed up at PaleoFX. It was a great crowd. It was people who were really interested in, um, you know, digging deeper into the paleo lifestyle, into the ancestral health world. Um, the things that, um, I, you know, that I look at and start to, t- to keep tabs on would be the number of exhibitors in the space, so the people who are actually building businesses to to um, attract a paleo audience and to fulfill the needs and requirements for goods and services among the expanding paleo uh, world, and and I also noticed there were a lot more people who attended this event who really weren't like diehard aficionado paleo primal people, but were sort of had been peripheral, had heard about it a little bit, came in, wanted to find out more about what it was about, so. So between the, the newbies and among all of the, uh, the exhibitors uh, that were ex- exhibiting products, uh, I could see that we have uh, the groundwork and the foundation for a commerce, a, a version of uh, you know, a little a marketplace where, where you can exchange goods and services. And that's really how Paleo grows anyway. It grows by people buying the, the, the foods, the training programs, the you know the sleeping aids, all of the different tchotchkes that people are looking at to improve their lives in a paleo world, um, they you know by by voting with their dollars they they increase the amount of business and bring new people in and that's how that's how this whole thing expands into the sort of common vernacular as opposed to being a little niche fad that dies and goes away. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you have any hesitation about how the movement is characterized with this 
caveman thing hanging over it and perhaps intimidating. Yeah, I think general. that's I think that is uh, that's long since been way overdone, and I, I don't think I don't think the association right now with the paleo movement is that fringe caveman you know guy who's you know who's everybody's buying a half a cow and keeping it in their freezer and they're you know camping out in their backyards and doing all that stuff. I think it's it's much more of a mainstream accepted term now. Whether or not the term paleo survives over the next five or ten years, maybe it just becomes ancestral health or um, I hope primal, but even if it just, you know, if it, as long as the, the, the mindset, the technology, uh, and, and the recognition that we all have control over how we control, uh, how we manifest health, mm-hmm. as long as that stays, I don't care what the movement is called. Oh, perhaps what if it's, uh, watered down and immersed into the mainstream where we all know that, um, eating healthy natural foods and staying away from processed sugar is terrible, um, and it happens to align exactly with the primal well, you know, I'm certainly thinking that's where it's headed. I mean, I, I'd like to think that 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 it took it took those of us on the fringe to suggest that there were some fats that were actually healthy. Uh, it took those of us on the fringe to suggest that maybe grains are problematic for a lot of people. Maybe these uh, industrial seed oils are causing problems. And we, again, whether or not you call it paleo or ancestral, whether you just refer to it as the clean eating movement. Mm-hmm. Um, There'll be recognition, and there's continuing to be recognition among the, you know, the health providers and among people who are doing the research that yeah, this is really, this is this is here to stay because if you want to be healthy and re reaccess good health, you sort of have to do these things. I guess there's a parallel too to the um, the exercise part where you could call it the non-exhaustive exercise movement or something that steps away from. This incredible trend, which I don't know, I'd say diets uh, leading the race now, and the fitness the fitness scene is still all about exhausting yourself. It seems to me. Yeah, well, and it has been for uh, for decades. First, it was the endurance community that I was part of, you were part of, where it was all about how many miles could you accumulate in a week, and and uh, the the number one driver of that for us was how do we get faster. But even before that, the number one driver of that whole concept was. The more aerobic stuff you do at a high heart rate, theoretically, the longer you live. Well, we started to realize that's not exactly the case, and we started to see that there were problems with training hard all the time. So it kind of shifted to where, in the last decade, there's been a lot of emphasis on high-intensity stuff, and it's all about HIT and high-intensity endurance training and, and interval training and, and uh, Metcon, metabolic conditioning workouts, now we're seeing that that may be too much, that maybe there's some middle ground in here where you do a little bit of, uh, of uh, high heart rate stuff where you don't raise your heart to maximum, but you, you keep it at a, at a, at a mid-range, and that's your aerobic training. And then every once in a while, you do a very focused, intense sprint workout or heavy lifting workout in the gym. And it's the combination of those two things that generates uh, the best results. Now, what's really interesting about this is that sort of mimics how hunter-gatherers live around the world. They're moving around a lot at a low level of aerobic activity throughout the day. They're lifting heavy things as needed, whether it's bringing stones back to the camp or lugging babies around or carrying carcasses that they just killed back to camp. Um, And they sprint once in a while, but they don't like just say, okay, it's time for a sprint workout. They sprint because they have to, right? Because it's like a Mm life-threatening situation. So... If you combine all of those um, those normal aspects of a normal hunter-gatherer life and you put them together, you get a really fit human being. You get the kind of human being that could go out and track 
uh, a, a, a beast, uh, you know, a hooved animal for five hours mm-hmm. um, and track it because you can sprint a little and jog a little and walk a little and, and, and cut the tangent and manage your energy to the extent that you can exhaust the animal and then put a spear in him. Without exhausting yourself. Without exhausting yourself, without compromising your own health. Without, and by the way, without having to train for it you know, every day. But just by the virtue of the fact that you live that way, that's your, that's your lifestyle, leaves you fit for life. Well, that, that, um, that, that it, it's anthropologically validated statement that sticks with me as a former endurance athlete thinking about those miles. Um, the hunter-gatherer did the bare minimum necessary to yeah. ensure survival. No more. They couldn't catch extra fish and store them in the fridge. Right, exactly, yeah. And when you think about that and apply it to yeah. people's health and fitness goals today and how easy it is to go over that line yeah. into overtraining, exhaustion, fatigue, burnout, but also just you know the goal of, let's say, aging gracefully, which is another um, thing that we'll, we'll talk about in a moment. Yeah. No, it's, it comes down to this, uh, you know, Tim Ferriss talks a lot about the minimum effective mm-hmm. dose. Well, what's the minimum effective dose of exercise? What I want to know is what's the least amount of pain and suffering and sacrifice I have to do to get my health goals to establish myself as a lean, strong, fit, happy, healthy, productive human being. Yeah, and I'd like to put a plug in there for these wonderful goals that people have to do the marathon or to go and finish an Ironman or an sure. adventure race or something. And that's great. Um, but I, I think there's pros- possibly some more reflection could be done on is this goal appropriate for my daily lifestyle circumstances or is it possibly too difficult and too strenuous to really warrant pursuing it in the, in the right way? Yeah, obviously when people have these goals, these life goals, these bucket list items, you know, I want to do a marathon, I want to do a triathlon, that's great. Um, however, if it becomes this repetitive like, okay, now I want to do eight marathons a year, then that's, it's on my bucket list. that's yeah. time for reflection. Yeah. Look, I was a career marathoner, and I didn't, I didn't race in eight marathons a year. I raced in maybe two marathons a year, maybe three. Um, but, uh, you, you know, you gotta, sometimes you've got to take a step back and go, what's realistic in my life? And if you're, if you're training that hard that you feel compelled to race eight times a year and do the work in between, what else is what, what's missing in your life? Because unless you're the world's best marathoner, unless you're making money at it, you know, it's just a, you know, it's just a, a hobby that is not going to serve you well, most likely. Well, it's an expense, at the expense of um, lifespan when it comes lifespan, to relationships, per, perhaps oh, yeah, job productivity. Too, yeah. 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 Uh, back to the paleo FX and your, your biggest observation or your most important one is how many vendors and yeah. the economic underpinning of a movement. Why is that so important? You know, uh, we can talk all day about good advice and how I've got this you know, way of eating and way of living that I've developed, and I'd love to give it away for free. But sometimes, you know, people need to invest in something to have it, to, to endow it with some value. And so we sell our books. You know, we've written books um, that talk about the same things I give away for free on, on Mark's Daily Apple. But when people invest in a book, um, they're, they're basically voting with those dollars. Look, I'm, I want to find out more about this. I want to support whoever this is behind this. So the same goes for, you know, you've got people making great uh, natural products, beef jerkies or, uh, or bars of some kind or, you know, whatever sorts of um, uh, brand new pillow that's sort of, you know, a, a hypoallergenic pillow. Whatever it is that helps you sleep, that helps you live a better life, if you are willing to invest in that because it improves your life 
and and also creates jobs, creates you know drives the economy forward, uh, brings new potential advocates into into the marketplace. You know, people who never heard about paleo or primal might buy some uh, uh, specially cured, curated beef jerky and go, wow, this is the best beef jerky I ever had. Oh, by the way, there's no artificial nitrates or fillers or, or, or sugars in them. Right. It's, you know, it's all natural. It's grass-fed. It tastes great and it's healthy. Tell me more. Yeah. And it's the tell me more that we want to hear about. Well, it's also I mean, when you're voting with your with your pocketbook and you're putting the the nitrate makers out of business because you don't want those jerkies, or in the example of the mayonnaise, um, you're taking market share away from uh, the big giants that are putting out basically, as Dr. Kate Shanahan says, you're consuming radiation when you have those oxidized yeah. vegetable oils that are so prevalent in the food supply. Yeah. So dreamingly, for all of us in the movement, everyone at Paleo FX, boy, you know, if this thing really grows, we're gonna we're gonna be you know changing the world. Little little tiny. So our mayonnaise is a good example. So Primal Kitchen mayonnaise, which originally was developed for the paleo primal aficionado, the person who knew a lot about it and was willing to to um, pay a little bit more for a product that was made with, you know, uh, organic cage free eggs, uh, organic vinegar from non GMO beets, avocado oil, the healthiest of all oils, and lo and behold, now most of our customers maybe never heard of paleo or primal, but they were looking for a clean. Version of a of a mayonnaise that they could put in their egg salad, potato salad, chicken salad, tuna salad that they could give to their kids, and now we've expanded um, our marketplace with this product. But we've also made uh, moms, uh, you know, or mil- or millennials who are just interested in health aware of a new way of doing things. Uh, so speaking of uh, already said everything about diet and exercise, um, personally what you're doing in your own life to kind of broaden your primal experience mm-hmm. and looking at, I mean, we talked off camera a lot about sleep and these great topics that are coming up, uh, but what are you doing to kind of broaden that theme in your own life of living primally and what that means? You know, I'm always trying new stuff. So I'm always trying new minimalist shoes. Um, I've got a new, uh, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, I've been wearing these for a long time, but when people have, you know, there, there are new companies that, that are creating new, Minimalist shoes that are not like this, but are still uh, exact. There you go. Um, I've got some new bedding that I'm very excited about. Uh, it's a it's a it's a, a mattress cover that's uh, infiltrated with uh, tubes that cool that send cool water through it, so you can sleep on a 55 degree wow. mattress at night and cover yourself with a comforter and you sleep better. Uh-huh. So I'm uh, you know I'm, I'm always experimenting with new uh, little tweaks to my lifestyle. Uh, new types of food, um, new strategies. Uh, you know, we, you and I talk a lot about how we train, and sometimes you get into that zone where you're not even training that much. Because, like, I look great, I feel great. I don't really need to train that hard anymore. But I started doing legs again a few weeks ago. I started uh-huh. doing deadlifts that I hadn't done for a while, uh-huh. and all of a sudden I notice major changes in my in my body. So I'm 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 always experimenting, always playing playing around with with new ways of doing things, new styles like that. And unlike some others that are touting this uh, experimental lifestyle, you seem to be doing this in a non-obsessive, intuitive manner. So there's no, might not be any rhyme or reason to it, but you just felt like doing legs? Or how, what's your process like? It's really that simple. Uh, it's like one day I, I went in the gym and I wasn't feeling what my intended workout was that day. And I, I saw a hex bar over in the corner. I thought, you know what? I haven't done deadlifts in a long time. Maybe it's time to start doing deadlifts again. So I went over and 
you know, loaded the rack up and did some, oh, uh, some oh. M but not with a hex bar. With a hex bar, you don't have that problem. Uh -huh. So, uh, but I did some MSP workouts. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, five, five, four, four, three, three, two, two, one, and and uh, it didn't take long, and I could barely walk the next day. Really, in a good way, because uh -huh. I got I recruited fibers deeper, deeper, and deeper. Uh, so those, you know, the intuitive part of this is really is really really very important to me. I don't really like to have a plan that often. I like to be spontaneous. I like to say, okay, you know what? Um, the water's calmed down. It's warm out. I think I'll go for a paddle right now. Hadn't planned it. Mm -hmm. Hadn't you know, thought much about doing it. But goodness gracious, I am able to do that because of my lifestyle, so I'll go do that. On the other hand, I don't like having a schedule where I have to go meet someone to work out or I have to go, you know, any kind of a rigorous thing. I like to be intuitive. We talked about this in Primal Endurance in the book. You know how sometimes um, being inconsistent can make you a better, a more consistent performer. So I try to develop for myself and for my readers this ability to make good decisions on the fly, intuitive decisions on the fly. Like that feels good right now. I'll go do that right now. Um, it will enhance my life experience as of this moment, and it won't negatively impact me down the road. Um, and if for some reason it's a bad choice in the short term. I don't regret it. I don't have second thoughts. I don't feel guilty about it. I just move on to the next choice. But it's really all about like intuition. How do I f like like taking all of what I know about myself and how I react in different ways? How how does this choice I'm making right now uh, serve me in this moment? Well, speaking of bad choice, it seems like um, taking choice out of it is, is is the worst idea of all. But that's so it's so prevalent where people schedule themselves into not not just serious athletes we know about them and we talk about them primal endurance where you know this idea of plotting out an effective schedule or paying a lot of money for an expert to plot a schedule out a month in advance or three months in advance is 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 nonsense in the in the dynamic world that we live in but also for anyone right um I think these voices come in there that are resistant to just having a completely intuitive approach because then they just be on the couch and they never get up that's a problem. Self-motivation is a big problem. Um, a lot of times, you know, this goes back to uh, some of what the uh, self-help gurus and the, the life coach gurus will say, which is, you know, like one of the first things it's probably incumbent upon you to do is find a purpose. Have a purpose in life. Because mm -hmm. with that purpose in life, then you have the motivation to go do some of the things that you know up here, you know you need to do, but you're not compelled to do because life's too easy. It's too easy to sit around, play video games, binge watch TV, uh, you know, eat bad food, uh, have all of your medical needs taken care of because you're, you're, you're taking drugs. It does take work to get off the couch, to move around, to do the kind of things that we talk about doing. And to get to that point, I think, you know, you got to go back to square one. It's like, why am I here? What's my purpose? And then from that, start to develop that the, the discipline that it takes to change habits, to, to be able to be in a position to, to elect to go do something that's difficult uh, as opposed to sit and do nothing, simply because the, the difficult choice is often the more fun choice, mm -hmm. uh, the choice that's going to be the most, uh, the, give you the best learning experience uh, that may open up a whole new world of opportunities. It's like saying yes to a lot of things instead mm -hmm. of saying being closed off and saying no. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, is, is it possible that you're more open to saying yes if you put all this, uh, this noise away that 
you're, you're, you're thinking that the regimented approach is the way to go with a diet, for example, with an exercise routine. I feel like I meet people all the time where they spin out of, I tried that primal paleo, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't last, uh, I, I did my workout with my trainer for 12 weeks and now I haven't been to the gym in three months. And it seems like that starting point um, was the mistake where it was, it was focused and disciplined and trying to apply all this willpower rather than just let it flow and see that perhaps going to the gym once a week yeah. 15 minutes is better than four times a week for an hour. Which is what we've said for the longest time, which is that anything you do that's in the direction of that primal lifestyle is better than doing nothing. Uh -huh. And this is not an all or nothing pursuit. You don't have to say, I'm committed, I'm all in, uh, or, or in, conversely say, I can't do it because I can't go all in. What we're saying is, you know, the more you sort of gradually get in, the more these, these uh, steps that you take, uh, and we'll use the primal lifestyle as an example, but it works across all, all manner of, uh, of all walks of life. Um, just by taking the first couple of steps, you're on your way. So if you can be uh, willing to, uh, to, to take those first steps and then be open to taking the next steps, it's not as daunting a task as, as starting out going, okay, it's a 12-week program. At the, I'm going to hit it hard for 12 weeks, and at the end of 12 weeks, I'm done. I know it's going to suck, but I'm, I'm really going to do it because I promised my friend. Yeah, and that's what, you know, that's what a diet is. That's what a, you know, sometimes these, um, you know, a 60-day program to fit into your wedding dress or to get ready for your high school reunion. They're all sort of short-term um, daunting tasks that a lot of people, first of all, would never even undertake because they're too daunting. But even those who do undertake them, sometimes find that, okay, that's all I could handle was 60 days, and I could never do this again, and they revert back. But you and I have talked for 10 years now about the lifestyle. Like, how can I, how can I make choices in a, in a sustainable manner, in a lifestyle that I know is sustainable? And one of the greatest testimonials we ever get about the Primal Blueprint lifestyle is, um, wow, I, yeah, I lost 100 pounds, I got off my meds, I'm not depressed anymore. My skin's cleared up. Uh, my hair's no longer falling out. But you know what the best thing of all is? I know I can do this for the rest of my life because mm. it's easy, because mm -hmm. it's literally one step at a time. It's not daunting. It's not oppressive. It's just, it's just understanding how my body works and being willing to make choices on the fly that serve me in the short term and don't harm me in the long term. So, speaking of your own choices, you got your cold bed that you're sleeping on, and uh, you've been extending this primal theme out into things that you and Carrie talk about a lot, like gratitude. Yep. Um, you've talked about stress management and how you're actually, you're more stressed now, you're more busy than ever, but you seem like you're enjoying it more and you're better able to, um, I guess, manage this growing business, which is right. one of the hardest challenges you can imagine. So it's so funny because there's, uh, there's a chalkboard up there that says there's no stress in the world. There are only uh, people thinking stressful thoughts. So when we talk about stress in general, um, and we talk about my taking on all these new businesses, um, yeah, I'm working harder than I ever have in my life, but I'm enjoying it more. So it's not really stressful. You know, there's a lot of stuff. I'm juggling a lot of balls, but it's less stressful than 10 years ago when I thought I was going to retire and play golf, That's stressful. and I suck so bad at golf that, really that, be stressful. that that became stressful. It's, you know, going out there and getting a six and a seven instead of a four, it's just, it'll ruin your day. Yeah. I mean, Again, it's all in the mind, obviously. Right. It's like yeah. playing, golf is not, playing golf is not stressful, believe me. But 
we make losing it, money to but, me. But we make it so. Even when I give him 12 shots, that's stressful. Yeah. Another thing that you talked about along those lines is this alcohol experiment that I guess happened a while ago. Yeah. But you got some insights and uh, made a lifestyle change, interestingly. Yeah, it was, um, you know, I'd been having two glasses of wine a night most of my life, like for the last 30 years. Wine was well, part of... Well, you sponsored for a lot of that time for <laughs> the wineries, right? No, no, no. Oh, okay. No, I, I, and I enjoy fine wines and, and uh, never, you know, never got drunk. Um, you know, my kids have never seen me tipsy. My wife's never seen me drunk. But, but it was two glasses of wine with dinner was the ritual of dinner, and that became the rituals. But at some point um, uh, a couple of years ago, I thought, you know what, I'm going to... Uh, maybe, the, maybe the ethanol, maybe this alcohol is not serving me well. Uh, even though I read studies that said, you know, wine drinkers live longer than teetotalers and so on. Uh, and I thought, well, I'll give up wine for 30 days and see what kind of effect it has on me. And to be honest with you, I was sleeping better. Um, I woke up a little bit more refreshed, and I felt like, well, okay, this is a clear indication that maybe the, alpha, the alcohol was not serving me as well as I thought. So having given up wine for 30 days, I, kept, I, I extended that for another year. Uh, I had maybe one or two glasses a week, typically at uh, a social occasion outside of the house, and uh, didn't miss it at all. Uh, so that was, uh, again, something that, you know, I'd, I'd been in this habit that really wasn't about certainly not getting about not getting drunk. It wasn't about it wasn't even about really taking the edge off. It was just about the ritual of dinner. Replace that with with a non-alcoholic beer that I drink, right? And so I I was able to change that habit. So I didn't sponsor. No, no sponsor. Um, Change that change that habit, and um, and then you know then a year ago I met uh, a guy who has this new um, concept of wines, and and these are uh, these are basically paleo wines that are clean. Uh, they don't contain any of the any of the 72 uh, uh, generally regarded as safe approved additives that the FDA allows U.S. winemakers to put in their wines. Um, is doesn't have added sugar, so there are basically low or no sugar wines, mm-hmm. uh, low in histamines because when you in the U.S. market, you know when you when you make wines, typically the the demand for a deep deep red wine means you have to crush the grapes, the red grapes longer and longer, and that color comes from the skin, and the skin contains tannin, and tannin leads to histamines, and the next thing you know, you've got a histamine response to the wine. So you've got all these reasons why drinking wine might make you feel a little bit stuffed up, a little bit uh, extra tipsy, because they're high, higher in alcohol, higher in sugar, uh, make you feel a little bit bloated, uh, make you wake up in the middle of the night and not be able to fall back to sleep, which is my problem. Um, and, and when you remove all of those negative factors, you get a nice light wine, lower in alcohol, but still tastes great. So now I drink a little bit more wine because I've, I have I shifted away from the, the um, realization that all wine was bad for me to realizing that, you know, not all wine is, ba- is that bad. Some of the wine is just nasty because of the crap that they put in it huh. and that there are actually some wines that are quite clean and, and don't cause any of the issues, none of the histamine-related stuffiness, none of the, no hangover at all, no waking up in the middle of the night. So I found a happy medium. And really my life is about finding these, these, these little nice areas where you can, you know, have your gluten-free cake and eat it too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so is it correlated with the, the price of the bottle? If you spend more, can you get a cleaner wine or is this a sort of a separate issue? Separate issue. Not? These are wines that are just uh, most of them are, are not made in this country. They're made in Europe or South America. They're 
they're farms that are they're, they're, they're dry farms, so they don't add extra water during the growing of the grapes. They let the grapes survive on their own based on the local rainfall and the local local access to water. Uh, they're not made with with uh, added yeast, so the wines are fermented in their own native yeast. Mm. That's another issue with U.S. made wines. They add mm. all these yeast strains that have nothing to do with the grapes mm. and where the grapes were grown and the yeast that was actually on the grapes at the time that they were crushed. Uh, so you find these. So I have a um, a friend. Uh, it's called Dry Dry Farm Wines. They uh, they send me a case every two months. Um, it's very inexpensive. And they curate these wines that they found from all over the world, uh, and it's a it's a great way to make sure that you're getting clean wines that are not going to interfere with your sleep and not going to cause any any issues. What a nice wide ranging discussion! And we were starting talking about stress management when we brought up yeah. the wine. Um, and what about your mindset and the evolution of this? I mean, you spoke at Primal Cons about that. You, you don't meditate, you're kind of a high-stress guy, you perceive that you, you like to you know, process through uh, business challenges and, and you know, get really deeply immersed in that, but now you've kind of applied some different um, strategies such as this position of gratitude. Um, talk, us, talk us a little bit about that. You know, it's, uh, like I said, stress is largely in the mind, and if you can understand that, that most of what's causing issues in, in a lot of people is, are their thoughts. It's just how you allow the chatter and the monkey talk in the brain to run your life and, and overwhelm the otherwise clarity of thought that you would have access to if you were able to recognize that, that this is just the mind doing, just doing its thing in the absence of any uh, uh, interference or, or calming influence, which, which Meditation provides for a lot of people. So mm -hmm. it's meditation that allows the mind to calm itself down, allows the, the monkey chatter to subside, uh, allows the stressful thoughts to, to dissipate. Uh, I just don't have, I, I have never allowed myself the time for that. And I'm not, I, I don't know a lot of people who benefit tremendously from meditation. I'm a big fan of meditation. I happen to get that when I'm paddling for an hour and a half mm -hmm. on the board alone out on the ocean. I'm hiking alone up in the mountains. Um, I can access that state. Uh, myself there, and and I now can find that state without meditating. I can find it very, very consciously just by recognizing that these are these are just my thoughts, mm -hmm. and I don't have to be at the effect of or at the mercy of my thoughts. I can just stop that chatter and go and kind of chuckle at myself and go, "Do you realize that that there is no problem right now? Look at you. You're sitting on a sofa." You know, talking to Brad, there's no problem right now. Or look at you, you're sitting in a hot tub. Or look at you, you're, you know, you're driving your car up PCH. Otherwise, thinking about all these nasty things that could happen when, in fact, all they are are thoughts. And all you have to do is stop those thoughts. Now, do you ever get pushback from people? Like, yeah, easy for you to say, Mark, uh, my business is falling apart or something like that. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I spent um, a good part of my life with no money like living in a shotgun shack, uh, like, like weeks away from um, living in my car. Yeah, didn't I, didn't I loan you a hundred bucks one time? <laughs> I don't know about one that. One of our trips to the triathlon. But you know, when you met me and I was your coach, I was renting a room from a woman in, in uh, Santa Monica uh -huh. and that was my you know, house. Um, so it hasn't changed at all. It's, none of, yeah. but, but you know, I got through it, I survived it, I overcame that. 
I, you know, it was part of my life. Uh, and my point is that none of the worrying I did then served me in the least. All it did was interfere with my enjoyment of life in that moment. You didn't get paid to worry? Yes, not at all. Interesting. Okay. If you're just tuning in now at the end of the podcast, you're like, what are these guys talking about? We were talking about paleo effects. We're talking about this. We're talking about that. What a nice way to end. I appreciate that thought. Mark Sisson, our favorite guest on the Primal Blueprint podcast. Thank you for listening and watching on YouTube. Got a passion for Primal? Join Mark Sisson on a mission to save the world. Become a Primal Blueprint certified expert today. With our dollar down payment program, it's easier than ever. Just pay $1 to start and $89 a month for the next 12 months. The Primal Blueprint Expert Certification is the most comprehensive online Primal Paleo certification program of its kind. Explore the fascinating world of ancestral health from the comfort of your own home with this premier multimedia experience. Perfect for health and fitness professionals, as well as individuals looking to up-level their primal practice. Visit primalblueprint.com slash get certified to put a dollar down today.